I'm only human after all And you're only human after all Don't put the blame on me Welcome to Ponder Exchange, a podcast about Christian faith and armed service hosted by me, Brother Logan Isaac. First Formation is spiritual exercise for high church lowlifes looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join us every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 17 Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From you let my vindication come. Let your eyes see the right. If you try my heart, if you visit me by night, if you test me, you will find no wickedness in me. My mouth does not transgress. As for what others do, by the word of your lips I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Guard me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who despoil me, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They track me down. Now they surround me. They set their eyes to cast me to the ground. They are like a lion eager to tear, like a young lion lurking in ambush. Rise up, O Lord. Confront them. Overthrow them. By your sword deliver my life from the wicked, from mortals. By your hand, O Lord, from mortals whose portion in life is in this world. May their bellies be filled with what you have stored up for them. May their children have more than enough. May they leave something over to their little ones. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied, beholding your likeness. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 18. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. Like the partridge hatching what it did not, what it did not lay, so are all who amass wealth unjustly. In midlife it will leave them, and at their end they will prove to be fools. O glorious throne, exalted from the beginning, shrine of our sanctuary. O hope of all Israel, O Lord, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be recorded in the underworld. 
for they have forsaken the fountain of living water, the Lord. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. See how they say to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. But I have not run away from being a shepherd in your service, nor have I desired the fatal day. You know what came from my lips. It was before your face. Do not become a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. Let my persecutors be shamed, but do not let me be ashamed. Let them be dismayed, but do not let me be dismayed. Bring on them the day of disaster. Destroy them with double destruction. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 22 through 32. Then they brought to him a demoniac who was blind and mute, and he cured him, so that the one who had been mute could speak and see. All the crowds were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons, that this fellow casts out the demons. He knew what they were thinking and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house is divided against itself will stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your own exorcists cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come to you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man? Then indeed the house can be plundered. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather me gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, people will be forgiven for every sin and blasphemy, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Good morning and welcome to the 14th Wednesday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the uh, from Walkersville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 17, Jeremiah 17, and Matthew 12. We've left the, uh, the story of David and Bathsheba behind us. And in Jeremiah we have um, this prophetic um, beatitude and verse, uh, well, in, in Matthew, you get a bunch of blesseds, but in Luke, you have blesseds and curseds, and this, uh, verses 5 through 7 or 8 imitates Luke, or rather, Luke maybe is drawing from it, where it has these curseds and blesseds, which I thought was kind of interesting, um, but more kind of to a uh, military interest, a martial hermeneutic is the reading from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's this um, parable within the wider context of what some scholars call the Beelzebub controversy. The Beelzebub controversy is um, uh, appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not in John, and essentially it's any time uh, that... Jesus is accused of being in league with Satan. 
Um, and in this case, in Matthew, um, which is imitated in um, Mark 3 and Luke 11, um, Jesus is accused by the Pharisees of, of um, basically not relying on the power of God to cast out demons, but the power of Satan. And Satan is, um, you know, the, the, the man behind the curtain for Jesus, supposedly. And Jesus answers them with this parable, the parable of the strong man. And he says, basically, you know, who can uh, throw out uh, a strong man, who can bind him up and, and despoil him, you know, plunder a strong man, uh, but uh, a stronger man, basically. Um, and it, specifically, he says in um, verse 29, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man? Then you can plunder his house. Um, and it can be kind of confusing because um, usually in these parables, it's about God. But in this case, the parable of the strong man is about Satan. Um, and essentially what Jesus is saying is um, who can cast out demons, who can plunder Satan's house, without tying up the, the strong man, without, you know, um, somehow coercing uh, Satan himself. And he says this because um, it maybe to somebody, uh, the Pharisees clearly, uh, maybe they think that Satan is like letting Jesus have power over demons in order to convince people to, you know, follow him. Um, and then maybe trick them later down the line. I don't know. And Jesus is saying, look, what, what sense does that make? Um, a house divided against itself doesn't stand. But more importantly, um, and this is, I think, the point he's making in his parable, um, is that you cannot bind up, you cannot coerce, you cannot overpower a strong man without first binding him or tying him up or overpowering him. And in effect, he is making himself the center of the, of the parable. And he's saying, if, even if that's true, it would take a stronger person than Satan or a stronger being than Satan to force Satan to do these things or to allow it to be done. Um, and I, I say that this is, um, uh, you know, of, of particular interest to thinking uh, about the Bible through a military lens because um, the some scholars think that um, Jesus is, is drawing upon a passage from the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 45, no, 49, I think. And a really popular translation, NIV. I, I usually use the NRSV. I just I like it better, but... NIV is, is also one that I really have enjoyed. Um, and NIV, um, in Isaiah 49, uh, verse 24 and 25, it reads like this, Can plunder be taken from warriors or captives rescued from the, f from the fierce? Uh, but this is what the Lord says, verse 25, Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you and your children I will save. 
And here we get this kind of evocation of the Jeremiah passage from this, this morning's readings. Uh, but more importantly, this word warriors, um, some in some scholarly circles and some you know kind of um, regular church circles, uh, the strong man is equated with a soldier or with soldiers in general. And I think that is a little problematic uh, because it equates strong and mostly devious and untrustworthy characters with soldiers and, by extension, military families and veterans. Um, and that's not actually what uh, the original text says. The NIV is taking a little bit of liberties. Uh, the NRSV says the mighty. Um, and it's from this Greek word, um, gibor. And gibor is, is mighty, and in certain places it implies warriors, but it also predates um, anything that you might think of as warriors in the Old Testament. Uh, for example, it's these gibor, these mighty or, um, or giants who appear on the earth in the early days in Genesis 6. Um, and so that, you know, it's like saying, it, it's anachronistic to say that gibor or mighty is therefore soldiers and, and, and or warriors. And so I think it's a fine point to make, um, maybe a little more specific and kind of fine-toothed than, you know, a lot of uh, Christians really, you know, care to kind of dig into. But I do think it shapes the, the Christian imagination, the civilian Christian imagination, and makes these very casual connotations uh, or connections between soldiering and um, untrustworthiness or, or sinful behavior. Um, and I think that um, violence is sinful, but not all military service is violent. Um, and that's a really important distinction to make if we're going to be honest about what it means to be Christian soldiers and what it means to be a tradition that for 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years has, ha has always had as a part of itself, as integral to its own traditions, these stories and individuals that um, don't shy away from the difficult moral nuance uh, that goes with um, organized violence or force or um, military strategy. I mean, you cannot be a Christian and just ignore or pass over uh, Joshua and judges in, in our Bible. And, and without being able to um, integrate that into our faith um, as integral to our scripture, to our traditions, um, I think we are, um, we are depriving ourselves of a really rich cultural um, resource. Um, but we have to examine some of these connections that we make um, these associations uh, between sinfulness and soldiering. It's like uh, last week or earlier this week, we talked about Sodom and Gomorrah. And we probably all think that their sin is homosexuality in some way. Uh, but the text simply does not say that. Um, elsewhere in Ezekiel, it talks about the sin of Sodom being greediness and not being hospitable to strangers. And that fits perfectly with not being hospitable to these three strangers who we know are angels, um, either because we want to steal from them or we want to rape them or whatever, like, that's still inhospitable. Um, the, uh, so these identifying and critiquing these associations, I think, is really important. 
the parable of the strong man um, is, is, it may be a cautionary tale. I don't, I think the argument could be made that the parable is about Satan. And the argument could also be made that the, the parable is about Jesus being stronger than Satan. Um, but I know I've been around, um, you know, kind of high-level theological uh, circles and conversations as well as church conversations where these, you know, something as small as this kind of, you know, cavalier association between the strong man and, and whether or not it's Satan and whether or not it's a soldier and, you know, what kind of associations we make in our mind and stereotypes it reinforces, uh, I think they do matter. Um, and so in this podcast, I'm sure you've, you know, figured out by now, this is like a daily dose of a martial hermeneutic. Um, we read scripture together and we, and I, I uh, reflect on uh, my experience, not just as uh, an Iraq combat veteran, um, but also someone who takes great pride in certain parts of my service, as well as uh, my, my uh, formal theological training and putting that to use uh, to help the church think much more deeply about um, the intersection uh, of faith and armed service. Um, sometimes those are small things, and sometimes we don't think about them, and sometimes, like me, we do where we have. And so I hope that this morning, uh, the parable of strong man, we think a little bit more deeply about and and how and whether it shapes how we understand and perceive uh, ourselves, if we're soldiers or veterans, uh, our, our loved ones, or people that we know in church who have had some connection with violence, maybe criminal violence. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of um, complexity and, um, you know, uh, I, I sometimes say moral density um, that requires a certain amount of spiritual maturity that um, without which I think we'll continue to kind of put soldiers and veterans in this tidy little box uh, that they don't really fit in. And so I hope that uh, we can continue together um, as uh, a, a, a praying body here at First Formation to continue to challenge those um, easy assumptions and stereotypes that we have or that, um, that others may have about us. for those in the armed forces of our country from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, we commend to your gracious care in keeping all the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad. Defend them day by day with your heavenly grace. Strengthen them in their trials and temptations. Give them courage to face the perils which beset them and grant them a sense of your abiding presence wherever they may be. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.